Hey everyone, this is Trey Atkins alongside Campbell Garbert, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland. Welcome to the Barners Before Bed Show, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. Your home for late night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And with that, we bring you episode 26 of Barners Before Bed. Following a 45-13 victory this past weekend over in-state opponent Samford, and an opponent that, unbeknownst to me, that we had a tad bit of a rivalry before 1945, only have played them five times since 1945, and now have a 29-0-1 record against the Bulldogs of Samford. And there's a lot of takeaway from this past weekend. First off, let's start off 3-0. Again, there's some teams in this state who aren't undefeated, so take that you can't take that for granted. Any win's a win. We got to see Peyton Thorne show off his legs a little bit, but maybe some questionable decisions. We got to see some other people step up and some other people that we want to see a little bit more from, and we'll talk about that shortly. I'm Trey Atkins here, joined alongside Graham Copeland and Campbell Garber. Jack Vesey's in an airplane right now. <laughs> That's all I got. So, guys, what was your main takeaways from this victory this past Saturday? Yeah, um, one, just... First off, win, of course, good. Took care of business. Um, it was a little shaky at first, but I think the mentality going into this game um, was almost treated like a scrimmage a little bit. Um, obviously, it got a little scary, a little testy at times, but I think it was really evident on that first drive. You know, we moved the ball very well, got all the way down the front, and then we didn't run the ball once inside the five. I think that was pretty evident that we were trying to t- try some things out. I mean, we threw the ball – Peyton threw the ball, I believe, was it? 32 Yeah, 32 times. times. So, I mean, that's a lot for a team like Stanford. And you'd think, oh, why don't we just run the ball? I think Hugh Freeze was using it almost like a one more tune-up before SEC play, you know, to get our get our quarterback get our quarterback comfortable, get our quarterback throwing the ball. Um, I think that interception was weird. I think in any other circumstance, any other game, we probably mix in a run there. So, I don't know. I was excited. I was happy to see Peyton get some confidence. Um to kind of address what we talked about last week with playing two quarterbacks, that seemed to be fixed pretty good. Um, Robbie came in, you know, at the goal line late game um, just for a red zone package. But I was excited to see Peyton throw the ball, um, throw it pretty effectively downfield. What about you, Graham? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you said, when you play a FCS team or a team of this caliber, you know, you expect to just run the ball all over them. But it was really good to see Peyton Thorne. Uh, really aired out. Um, only one questionable decision I saw that that pick and like double triple coverage in the end zone. Other than that, though, I I, I really liked what I saw from him. Really like to see him uh, use his legs. So I I think he's a better runner than he gets credit for. I I think his legs will be really crucial for us um, in the event that our run game is stagnant because, I mean, we have not run the ball particularly well. Um, especially these past two games. So I think Peyton Thorne could help us out a lot with the run game. And Texas A&M's defense is pretty stout up front. Their front seven is pretty darn good. Um, so it, it'll be good to see um, Peyton use his legs a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, we're still still kind of having a turnover problem. That needs to be cleaned up before we go to Aggie land. Um, but, yeah, I mean, love, love seeing us air the ball out and, Throw it, not only throw it, but throw it with accuracy. It was really nice to see. Yeah, and it was some takeaways I had from Hughes' post-game press, and Garber alluded to getting the quarterbacks more confidence. Hughes said that himself. He said, quote, I wanted to be balanced and get us some confidence in the quarterback game and the passing game, which we did. I felt like we were seeing Peyton really become more comfortable throughout the game, maybe get those turnovers off early, but we'll talk about setting the tone later on. Also, what Hugh said, which stuck out to me, is we talked about that pick. I don't think I've ever heard a group of Auburn fans lose their mind. I felt like I was listening to a chat GPT robot of Reddit just behind me screaming every four-letter word at our sideline after the first pick. But Hugh said that was the right read he was supposed to make. And also talking more about Peyton, this was – or Graham, I'll let you say the stat. Well, uh, yeah, he's the first quarterback in 10 years since Nick Marshall to have over 200 passing yards and 100 rushing yards in one game. There we go. And also, I was a little confused. We kept, we've 
kept using Robbie in these goal line packages, but Peyton looks like a pure runner. There's a lot of quarterbacks that don't look that pure running the ball. Not only is he shifty, he's fast. He is able to make the right reads running the ball, it appears. Why were we toying around with this two-quarterback thing if we have a guy that's comfortable in that position? Well, and I think, obviously, I think Robbie still has, you know, the advantage in the run game. And I think it's definitely, he's just such an explosive athlete that we cannot not put him on the field during games. I mean, he's just, it's simply too athletic. It'd be a waste of having, using a roster spot on him. But I think a big thing with Peyton that I think what kind of come out as a surprise for us was that he looked more decisive in his runs this week. He kind of, he was, he was more, he was putting his head down and he was going versus the first couple weeks, you know, he wanted to keep his eyes downfield, which I don't, which I don't hate. I like a guy that wants to keep looking for the pass, but eventually sometimes, you know, the protection might break down. Sometimes the, the wide receiver, the read might not be there. Put your head down and go. He's a fast guy, obviously. And I think he, I was really impressed with how he, um, you know, just put his head down and went this week. I agree. That's what, one thing that bothered me with Bo Nix is that Bo Nix would give it like a one count, two count, and then just try to take off and make something happen. Peyton, Peyton he, he knows, you know, he's got a good gauge for, you know, when to, you know, keep keep making your reads uh, uh, and when to just take off and go. And he's a really good north-south runner. I, I did not know that he was that explosive with his legs, but – it, it was a pleasant surprise for sure. Yeah, and it was nice also, like I like what you just said there with the north-south, that he's not just going to the, re- going to the sideline. That, that's something that frustrates me a lot. I think that's what Bo Nix and Robbie Ashford, I think, fell at a trap to because they're both you know, just such fast people. They knew that they could – you know, a lot of the times they think that they can catch the edge because in high school they could catch the edge every time and, you know, break it for – but in college you just can't. And I liked what Robbie – I liked Robbie going – or not Robbie, Peyton, going more north-south. But once again, we still haven't faced really an elite pass rush yet as we enter into SEC play, so hoping to keep that going, though. To play devil's advocate, Garber, what do you think about our six foot one quarterback going north-south against an SEC defense rather than Sanford's defense? I, I, still, I think we're going to need him to. I think we're going to need him to, just like, uh, just like Jarrett Stidham did back in 2017, 2018. You know, being able to pick up those first downs – with his legs when, you know, like I said, when our protection will inevitably break down sometimes or when the read's not going to be there, when our guys are swallowed up in coverage, instead of just, you know, throwing it away, being able to put his head down, get get us seven yards, get us a second and three, or maybe pick up a third and five, you know. Falling on, on forward. Fall, yeah. That was, that's the thing I've still been impressed with all, all years, the falling forward from all of our players. Peyton Thorne almost too much. Sometimes I kind of want him to slide just – he, he's willing. He's willing to take a shot. He's willing to fall forward, get us those yards. But you know, let's maybe think about some slides. So here's some stats. Speaking of the run game, that may come off as a little alarming. But then again, we had 562 yards as a team, and Peyton rushed for 123 yards. And we were also trying to get in the passing game. So take this with a grain of salt. But Jarquez Hunter, 11 attempts, 37 yards, only one touchdown, and the longest rush he had was nine. Demari Olson. Eight attempts, 25 yards, longest being eight. Is that a red flag, or is that just we were scheming around Peyton, don't worry about it? I think the game plan was to throw the ball. I think it was very evident. We were not. We did not have a run-heavy focus this week. Um, where we go from there, I don't know. But I think, we've, I think we shouldn't come – this shouldn't come to too much of a surprise knowing Hugh Freeze. He's always been a passing guy. He's been a passing coach. And so I think – Right now, I mean, obviously, we'd like to see those numbers go up, especially against, especially against a team like Sanford. But I think that's definitely the easiest thing for Sanford to do was to hone in on our run game and not our pass game, and we just took what they gave us. Um, I think it's easy for us to keep falling back in the trap of thinking that we're under the Gus Malzahn regime that we need to run the ball, you know, thirty-five times a game. You know, we're going to run for two hundred yards, and if we don't, we don't win. We're under, we got a Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery offense. We're going to throw the ball, and we just got to get ourselves more accustomed to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not panicking by any means, but on the worried scale, I'd, I'd put myself at like a 6 out of 10. Like, you got to be able to move FCS kids. I'm sorry. Like, like the, Jarquez averaging three yards on the ground against that opponent is it's kind of unacceptable to me. Um, like you said, like we had – 220 rush yards, but 123 of those were from Peyton Thorne. 
Texas A&M's, we'll talk about Texas A&M later, but their front, really their defensive line just in general was, is really, really good. They've played really well. They played really well against Miami. Um, so we got to figure that out. But that's that's always historically Auburn's identity is be, have the ability to run the football, and we needed to establish the run game, and that will open up the pass game. So a couple other things to worry about heading into SEC play was our slow starts from these three non-conference games. We didn't really have a lightning-in-a-bottle start against UMass. I believe it was 7-3 to after the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And then against Cal, we had the shovel pass pick that could have very well been a pick six if luckily it wasn't blown dead. And lastly, Garb, this one has haunted you for your four years in college, is the special teams receiving game, especially on the mm. fourth down punting aspect of it. And you've been very critical of Keontae Scott, who I have in parentheses here is Garber's guy, and he's now injured. So we throw in Jay Fair, who had, by the way, a great game. I thought Jay Fair had a fantastic game. From my calculations, he had seven receptions and 93 yards with his longest being 36. Can't complain about that. I mean, we have some weapons on the receiving ends, especially at the tight end position, too. They'll be very versatile. But, again, the fourth down bug gets the, or haunts us, and Sanford capitalized on that turnover. We can't have that happen going on the road in the SEC. No. I yeah the, the There's been a lingering issue for a while now with um, – with Keontae and then Jay Fair comes in. Um, I believe Javarius muffed one as well. Javarius is – I don't think Javarius has ever muffed a punt ever, which is why I'm so confused why we're playing musical chairs at that position. Like, just stick with a guy. I don't even care if he fair, fair catches it every time. I, I'm, I'm not joking. It sounds like a joke, but fair catch it every time. Don't ever – like, I don't think we should ever try and return the ball right now. Until we can get, get it right, just fair catch and prioritize – Prioritize the catch. If it looks anything wonky, get out of the way and just let it go. I think sacrifice a little bit of field position for having the ball. I mean, we literally did it, and their punter was pretty sorry. But there's one 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 punt where we didn't even put a guy back because their punter couldn't their punter couldn't get it couldn't get it forty yards, and so it was pretty smart play. But yeah, I don't I don't know why why we're we're playing around with you know oh we need an explosive guy back there. No, we need a guy that can catch the ball. We need about, I think, that can ensure that we maintain position, maintain possession, and if we can get a guy that can catch the ball in smart places and you know save us some field position, that'd be even better. But right now, we just need the ball. But on the punt, on the punt coverage as well, another thing to notice was we were kind of getting after the punt. I was really surprised we didn't get one this past week, considering you know an SEC special teams unit should be a lot stronger than an FCS. And I was really expecting a punt block, but. The way it's looking, well, I don't even think we need to start setting up a return. I think we should just go. At, we should be going after punts all year. We got speedy guys on the team. That's definitely something that they're close on. I think we should shift our focus to if we want to win some field position, let's block some punts. Let's get some. Let's get some momentum going our way in the turnover battle. And as a road dog, that'd be quite the momentum shift. Oh, getting yeah. one of those. Let's yep. say we're down three, can't really get anything cooking on offense. We've been great. Getting turnovers. Jalen Simpson, three picks in three games. How about that? He's come out just firing on all cylinders and really playing as a leader in his new role. But, yes, I agree. We're going to have to make some turnovers. We're going to have to make some plays. Graham, do you have any other takes from Sanford? Then we'll do a quick rundown and then preview Aggieland. No, not really. I mean, just to reiterate, I mean, we didn't really talk about our defense at all, but our, I'm, I'm really – Liking what I'm seeing, I think our Achilles heel, honestly, besides punt returner, our Achilles heel on this team is is literally just keeping guys healthy. I don't think there's a true weakness that has, sticks out like a sore thumb yet. But I, all like all three levels defensively, I was I was impressed with against Cal and against Sanford. But I, um, I could have seen some more pass rush. Yeah, to be honest. Um, like I said, not nothing so glaring that it caused us, you know, to obviously lose this game, but. Excuse me. Like front seven and front on defense, front five on offense. We we just got to start getting the push, the push going our our direction more often than not. Um, it's just going to ring even more true as we go into SEC play. But, Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think we had one sack on the day. Yeah, I believe we had one sack and no two. Sorry, 
two sacks, but I believe both came in the second half. So they were both kind of late in the game, whereas I was kind of hoping that, you know, we'd be all all over them, you know, in the, living in their backfield, mm-hmm. causing, causing pain. But scoring defense has still been real good the past three times, and really that's all that matters. So, you know, whatever way we need to do it, bend, don't break, you know, just force some incompletions. Our secondary is the strong is our strong suit, so – but yeah, Stanford, love- Stanford's quarterback too is legit. Like he is getting NFL draft buzz. Like he is not just a nobody. Correct. So, correct. I mean, we held him under 150 yards, picked him off twice. So I was very pleased, as always, very pleased with our defensive backs. And you can't go wrong with a victory, three and zero, and that's a good one to shift on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to preview our trip to Aggieland, our trip being this crew and the team previewing the game next week, unfortunately at 11 a.m., but that's we'll, we'll battle through it. But anyways, thank you guys for listening to Barnes for Bed episode 26, and we will be back shortly. And welcome back, Barnes Before Bed episode 26. And now all eyes on Aggieland, a place that we've had quite the recent success in our short tenured rivalry with them, now part of the SEC. So some quick game notes before I let Mr. Aggie himself and defending Barnsby Aggie of the year, Campbell Garber, have the floor. Currently right now, Texas A&M leads the series 7-6 all-time, 2-1 and one while you've been in college, Garber. This is the third time this has been an SEC opener with it being one apiece, so this will settle that. Auburn has only lost to Kyle Field one time while A&M's been a member of the SEC. Thanks, Hugh, Brian. Hugh has a two-game winning streak at Kyle Field, even though those have been vacated. Also, Hugh has struggled against Bobby Petrino, the new offensive coordinator and former Auburn coach, I believe. Some other notes, the spread is 7.5 in favor of the Aggies. Questions about AM going to this one is defense, lack of pass rush. Could be a great opportunity to get 27 the Rock. AM is currently 2-1 against the spread. Auburn is 1-2. Some other headlines, Noah Thomas, their starting receiver, is questionable for the game, and also our entire defense may be questionable for this game. So, Garber, this has been a thing throughout the offseason. It somehow comes back to a We've been prefacing this trip, telling how excited we are. It's our first time, my first time going to the state of Texas, let alone my first time going to Kyle Field. I'm very excited. I know you are. Please explain to the viewers at home your personal animosity towards this program or the fan base. Uh, no, it's not personal. Um, they've never done anything wrong to me per se. Um, I just, I've never been a huge fan of this program outside of the Johnny Manziel years. Um, yeah, just the weird, the culture is kind of weird there with the, you know, the midnight yell and all that. And, you know, I'm, I'm going up, I'm going in with a little more open mind that maybe they're not, they're not all like that. Maybe that's just the loud minority, um, that you see, you know, on Twitter, just see, but I don't know that it, it's it's odd all those show tunes, looking dances, and you know all the all the the weird pageantry that's military stuff. Even though it's not really military, it's it's all an interesting. It's all very interesting. And on top of that, Texas A and M is just the what I would say. I would say it's the pinnacle mid program. Um, and I know that sounds like bulletin board material. I shouldn't be saying it like that. I'm not saying that means we're going to win. But it's just Texas A&M every year has so, many, has so many resources, always has a good recruiting class, and just never, ever really truly seems to be in contention for the West. So, I don't know. They're just loud, and they're never really that relevant. So, with that, I'm excited to go to Texas A&M. Excited to hopefully bring out a win. Um, yeah, that, that's that's my spiel on them. Graham, you live with a Texas native who has some friends that go to AM. and What I've been seeing from the Aggie side is their whole thing this week is strength versus strength. As in, AM has the number 11 passing attack versus our number 13 pass defense. While on the other side of the ball, we have the 89th ranked passing attack compared to AM's 53rd passing defense. As a quarterback, what's your take on that? Yeah, something's got to give. I mean... Wegman has played really well his first three games. I don't think – we like to meme on A&M quarterbacks these past couple of years, but he, I think he's he's a solid quarterback. Um, two of his best receivers got banged up. 
this past game, I think. They're listed as probable right now, so that'll be interesting and something to look at. But um, A&M, similarly to us, has not been running the ball very well at all, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what gives. So we got some questions from the text chain. This one's from Silas. Do you guys believe and feel confident that Auburn's defense will be able to hold Texas A&M, considering Connor Wegman went 25 for 29 and 340 passing yards last week? Silas, good question. They're playing Louisiana Monroe, so let's take that with a grain of salt. I love our pass defense right now. I continue to think that that will be a strength. We're going to need to create some turnovers. Would you all agree? Absolutely. Yes, we are. And I think another part of that, two two factors playing there, is going to be um, just health-wise, Kaufman, Keontae, and Nehemiah are all still banged up right now and definitely going to need to get some of these guys healthy. Definitely going to need, need to get some of these guys healthy either for this week, definitely going to need them two weeks from now against Georgia. Um, but right now I like what I'm seeing with DJ James, obviously, is just locked down so far. Um, Kay and Lee is stepping up as a fresh, true freshman. He's really impressed me so far. <clears throat> and then obviously Simpson. Simpson and Puckett in the back end on safety. J.D. Rim too. Yeah, J.D. Rim. Yeah, he's, he, came back, he came back this past week off injury and re- was really impressive with an interception. Um, but another big thing is just getting that pass rush. I think pass rush helps helps the secondary tremendously. It's almost it's almost half the game is if you can live in that backfield, it's impossible. It's almost impossible for that quarterback to be putting him putting him where it needs to be every time. So yeah, it's going to depend on that pass rush and some some health maybe. Got another question. This one's from Thomas. He says a question I have going into this game is what is Auburn's biggest strength? Do you think heading here? And I'll, I think we're all in the same agreement, our pass defense, which has been prominent throughout the three games. But I really do feel like this could be a breakout game for Jarquez Hunter, where he's been quiet the past two games. They have a worse D-line than we do. It's time to get 27 the Rock. Let them loose. Everybody and their mother's waiting on it. So I, I agree. This could be the game. If Even if it's not, I mean – A&M's rushing attack is has not proven to be very effective so far this year, so that leaves us to all right. Is Wegman going to air? Who's going to air it out more, Peyton Thorne or Wegman? You can make the argument that Wegman might be the better quarterback than Peyton Thorne as of right now, but our DB room is just astronomically better than theirs. That is by far their Texas A&M's weakness. So I think we exploit them through the air for sure. I I definitely agree, and I think that was part of the reason why we threw the ball so much this past week at Sanford. I think it was just a tune-up, like I kept saying, is that I think we were really getting ready, you know, to get into that true Hugh Freeze offense and air it out. And I was talking this past weekend with somebody about, do y'all believe in the fact that Hugh Freeze might have been, might be, and might have been, and still is holding out on some of his offense, leaving leaving some things to be seen, and that you know we could come out here at A and M. Peyton Thorne, and you know, don't be shocked if he throws for three hundred. Like, is is that is that that crazy of a thing to say? Absolutely I mean, not. I think I'm definitely an optimist for sure, and I love that idea. But I wouldn't be shocked, and I think that kind of might have caused a bit of the scare at Cal. Was that I think Hugh might have thought that we go in there and handle business a little bit better, probably not turn the ball over as much. His, his initial game plan was probably not to you know unleash the whole entire playbook out at out in California, but really wait, had this A&M game circled, you know, really let loose and go after it in the air. I think we started seeing hints of that with with Sanford, so I'd be excited to see that. Also, I'm reading up is that they're saying that Jarquez Hunter is a little bit injured right now. Is that um, – this is per Hokinson that Jarquez got a little bit banged up this past game, which would kind of explain the lack of carries, you know, why, why risk it there, but – Hopefully that's just a little some maintenance we need to do this this week, and hopefully we lo- we've load managed them pretty good the past three weeks. So I would love to see a high volume from him, but at the same time, you know he doesn't necessarily need a high volume as high of a volume as you know guys like we've seen in the past like Carryon Johnson because mm-hmm. he's got such a deep room behind him with Demari Alston and Jeremiah Cobb and Brian Batie. I I, I, want, I just want to see that running back room operate smoothly. I want to see, I want to see fresh bodies getting rotated in. Love to see that average yards per carry up in the you know four to five range. I mean, would be just tremendous. And then, like I said, I want to see, I want to see Robbie or not Robbie Peyton Thorne take advantage of their weak 
defensive backs. And, and what you spoke to our play calling, one of the complaints from the text chain was talking about the five-yard out routes, which I feel like with the type of receivers we had, probably besides Jay Fair, that's not really their game, is where we need to get them in deep ball scenarios, and we got to set it up through. We've been setting up with those short passes. Now it's an opportunity to set up with the run game. And Jarquez has never been a 20-carry-a-game guy in college. That was one of my worries coming to this year. Obviously, we have the deep running back room, but he is the most talented running back. And in history, Auburn's had a running back that could take the load of 20, 25 carries. So I believe playing along with Tank would allow someone like Jarquez to maybe not as be as selfish or need that many carries to get in his groove, as you alluded to. But let's move on to one of the main storylines from the Auburn side. So this game, we have a gauntlet falling, A&M. We talked about in the offseason. Is this the most important game of our season? I believe it is. I mean, I believe it's the most important right now. I think from here on out, it's every game is the next. The next game is the most important. It sounds, you know, coach speaky. Yeah, and we're not going to be favored in a game probably. I don't think we'll be favored against Ole Miss. I don't think we'll be favored in a game till Mississippi State. Is that fair to say? Unless we, I mean, it depends. It depends on what we do in these next few games. Right now, yeah. currently, we are not favored in any of those games, probably until Mississippi State. But um, yeah, I mean, it all really is going to come down to this game. If we go out there and you know lay an egg and lose by twenty, I mean, it, it's it's going to be it's going to get rough. It's only going to get uglier after that. And so, even though we're playing, you know, we're playing Georgia at home, two thirty slot. It's still it's only going to get uglier. But on the on the flip side, we go in there with confidence, and we take it to A and M, which we easily can. It's not it's Texas A and M. They have a talented team. You know, it's Kyle Field, but it is eleven a, it is an eleven a.m. kick in Kyle Field. Helps us a lot. It's going to take some energy out of that crowd. And it's I think still, it's still Jimbo too. And it's still Jimbo, <laughs> and it's still Texas A and M. Yes. So, who has lost to Miami, which thus far has left some some more to be seen from. So, I don't know. If we I think if we take it to him there, I cannot wait until 4 4-0 4-0 Auburn versus 4-0 Georgia if that happens. And we'll quickly wrap it up here then we'll go on to talk about our trip and some logistics with that. But quickly or you can take your time. We got I know we have a minute. Never mind. A little quick. What is your score prediction and who do we need to be MVP to obtain that score? Or if we lose, who is still the MVP? That was a little confusing, but let's just say who needs to be our most valuable player on Saturday to get the job done. I can start us out. Um, so right now, we've got a total of 52.5 is what the predicted total points in this game is going to be. Um, I I personally think if we're gonna win this, I'd like to. I'd like that to probably trail a little under, um, somewhere. If we could score somewhere in the 30s, that'd be great. So let's say a you know, 38, 38-28 would be tremendous. No, honestly, I mean, 38-27. Yeah, that that'd probably be my score prediction going into this week. Yeah, that 52 and a half number has not been covered in a long time between these two so and I don't think uh we will uh on Saturday either I think Auburn's offense is still the jury's still out a little bit um I think I don't necessarily have an MVP uh or somebody who needs to be MVP but it's more so just taking care of the football if we take care of the football and have like long sustained drives I I like our chances um I'm going Auburn 24, Texas A&M, 21. Mm. Yeah, this game has NFL score written all over. Give me 2017 Auburn with Jalen Simpson needing to be and will be your MVP. Robert, who was your MVP before we take it? Yeah, so with that score I gave, in order for that to happen, it's got to be Peyton Thorne's got to be the MVP. We need to see Peyton throwing, protecting the ball first off, Yep. but moving that ball down the field consistently. You know, making the right reads, putting the ball where it needs to be. Hugh Freeze and Phil Montgomery scheming up some some deep balls, scheming up some downfield plays that we really haven't been – we're not accustomed to watching as Auburn fans these past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we'll we certainly <laughs> open up the playbook. but And I think we got all the tools to do it, really, yeah. really honestly. Thank you, Garbs QB Room. And now we will take a quick break, come back, and 
preview our trip that this has been in our sights for about a year now. Very excited for it. But thank you guys for listening to us, and we will be back shortly. And welcome back, Barners Before Bed, episode 26. Trevon Reed, right? As a defensive back, then he switched, or no, as a receiver, and then he switched to one. He 25. He's 25. 25. Yeah. Deshaven Bell. 22. There you go. Dang it. No, no. no he, he, yeah, 22. We, have a, we had a DB who was 26 that was very good. Um, Under Chiswick. Nah, we'll figure it out later. Let's let's move on <laughs> yeah, that's, to that's our crazy. to our Bad trip video. coming up. We will be heading to Aggieland this Thursday. Very very excited for it. One of my first questions going into this is: I don't. I've never met a Texas A&M fan in my life. Do you think they'll be more on the side of us, Ole Miss, as in like, hey guys, come tailgate with us, or they'd be more on the side of the Penn State's like, like screw you guys, roll tide, smack talk. Which is randomly every northern slash west coast team smack talk is just saying roll tide. I think they're gonna be a nice fan base. Um, I think Texas A and M. I think that's the thing that they kind of pride themselves on. Probably too much. So um, not that you can be too nice, but they're they've got the weird uh, culty vibe to the fan base that some people will accuse Auburn of, and I think some points that that's fair. But I think A and M takes it to an extra extra level. But I th- I think. By and large, I think it's going to be a pretty nice fan base. Um, we're SEC West rivals, obviously, but not as not as much so as, you know, like we're not an LSU, we're not an Arkansas for them, we're not a Texas, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to make them too angry being just being Auburn fans. But, yeah, I, th- I'm, I think I'm looking forward. I think we're going to be greeted with some good hospitality. Some notes about their fan base heading into this one. I don't know if Johnny's going to be there. He was there last week. You'd think if he was in town for Louisiana Monroe, he'd come to the SEC opener. But Dude Perfect has touched down in Aggieland. Garber, will you get a picture with him if you run into him? No, I'll not. Um, yeah, pretty good. Pretty big staple of the sixth grade, the sixth grade years. I can't lie. Um, but yeah, that's it's pretty classic. They're they're pretty good summation of the fan base. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm going in with an open mind. I'm hoping that they're not all like that, um, you know, all not doing their show tunes, weird dances <laughs> yeah, and chants. And not that we don't do any chants, but we don't add the hand motions with it that that are, yeah. So, last question yeah. about I'll, – I'll end it there. Yeah, Garber, <laughs> this one's for you. Over So, there's five members. Over or under two and a half pairs of neon Nike Elite socks for the Dude Perfect members? I, I, Trey, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really know, man. I, I, I don't really spend my time thinking about that fan base or the, those guys much. Um, so, but, but really. going into a territory where you don't know anything about the fan base, there's some do's and don'ts of going on the road in the SEC, and it varies by school. So, a place where we don't know, I got a list of five do's and don'ts going into this weekend, and I want to get y'all's view on what. So, let's let's start off Thursday going to the airport. Do or don't, should you start a chant at the airport? Ah, I'm, I would never start it. If it was started, I could see myself getting behind one maybe. It just depends. I, I'm, I'm out on that, no. Let, leave the other people alone in the, in the airport. It's gonna be, we're going to be in Houston, big airport, a lot of people traveling. Not everybody cares about the game. I'm, I'm going to go don't on that. Graham? I'm going to go don't, too. This, I mean, this is a business trip. I'm not here to... You know, do all that. If a random, if it was one of my buddies that tried to do it, I'd tell him shut up. If a random uh, fan in orange and blue in the Houston airport started it, I I might entertain it for a couple seconds and then stop. But still, don't. I think it's appropriate if you can tell the plane is majority fans traveling. I remember when we were going to Pasadena, there was a lot of Auburn fans, and that's different. Yeah, it's that's also neutral site is a lot different than going on the and road. that's in the plane too. I, th- I was thinking more so. In like the walking in between gates, when we have hun- thousands of people around that <laughs> could really care less about an SEC West matchup that's about to, uh, about to go down. But in the plane, especially Atlanta to Houston, I'd imagine we'll be with a lot of probably be with a lot decent amount of Auburn Auburn folks. So I can maybe see myself getting behind it. So this next one's a two part question, and piggybacking on that one. Do you start chants, let's say, at a bar or restaurant while you're in College Station? And furthermore, do you wear gear, let's say, on a Friday night, or do you just save your Auburn gear for Saturday, kind of like lay low? 
No, y- yes to both. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of once you're in the city, um, if a chant gets started, I think I'm there. Um, once again, also wear the gear. Um, I'll be in orange or blue exclusively throughout the weekend, letting people know I'll never, I'll never, that is never something I'll cover up or hide. Um, I'll wear orange and blue in Tuscaloosa. Why would I not wear it in College Station? Um, yeah, Graham? I'm going don't and do. I'm not, I, once again, business trip. I'm not going to do any of that until uh, we have produced a win. After that, it's fair game. Um, so don't for the first part. Second part, absolutely. I'm wearing, I'm going to wear the, it's an orange out, correct? So got to wear the orange polo on Saturday. Navy. Oh, it's navy? Which I don't like because it's an orange out for Vanderbilt, and I'm assuming Vanderbilt's going to be cold. I don't own a sweatshirt or anything along the lines that's orange. So I would love for those to be switched. Cause I think I, as long as you're wearing a predominantly Auburn, I, I thought it was always orange on away games because we wanted to show up on TV. Like at Penn State, it was awesome when it was the whiteout. All of us wore orange, and there were about 10,000 Auburn fans there in orange, kind of ruining the whiteout, which was yeah. pretty awesome. Um, I was kind of hoping it would be orange. I'll probably wear orange regardless of whatever theme we're supposed to I wear. I agree. I feel like yes. orange just stands out way more than maroon, right? No, I mean, they're both different colors, but it's just too dark. It's dark on dark colors. Yeah, and also, can I speak on the fact that I don't think we necessarily need a theme for every single game of the season. I agree. Are y'all, are y'all there on that? 100%. Like, like, like Navy out against Sanford. Like, I, there shouldn't really necessarily be a theme for Sanford. It's just Sanford. <laughs> like, let's just go to the game. Wear, wear Auburn colors. It'll look fine. Um, I don't hate the whiteout on week one, but I'm glad we don't do it against, like, big-time opponents. I love Stripe the Stadium, but I think outside of Stripe the Stadium and wearing orange on away games, I don't really think there's much much else we need to do. But that's that, that's just me, and those are little side tips. I I did there. love doing the orange for Penn State because of the wideout ruining it. I unfortunately did not know that until we were at the stadium. But anyways, moving on. This is a polarizing one within our crew, and I am a huge do on this because I just want to see it. And you can go both ways here. Should you attend the other school's traditions? As in, should we go to Midnight Yell? And on the contrary, should opposing team go to Tumor's Corner? Not not only for the toilet paper roll, but like to get lemonade or something like that. Or should you just not partake in any sort of tradition? I'm not against going and seeing what A&M has to offer. We're going down Thursday night, so purposely so that we can have Friday, you know, to go see campus. I'd like to go walk around, go see it. Um, as for the midnight yell, you couldn't catch me there. You couldn't catch me dead in that in, in that stadium on a Friday night for the midnight <laughs> yell. I, I want nothing. I, I don't want to be a part of that whatsoever um i will definitely be retweeting their the clip of their uh what is his name the yell leader yeah the yell leader's little spiel or chant about auburn panky panky yeah that that won't be very funny so i'll definitely be indulging in that but yeah i will not be in attendance at the midnight yell that's not something that i care to be a part of Graham, would you be interested in going with me because i think it's just me and ankenbrandt right now that i'm in the same boat as garber not catch me there. As but I'm not against going and seeing what, what, what A&M has to offer in terms of, you know, campus or other things. We'll have better things to do on a Friday night in College Station. But, I mean, as culty and as weird as it is, it's still one of those in college football that I'd like to experience. But, yes, well, based, based off the Johnny documentary, I'm sure there's other things to do on a Friday <laughs> in College Station. And then this one, it, it depends, again, on the atmosphere – should you tailgate with your friends of opposing teams, let's say you haven't seen them in a while, or should you prioritize your team first and go tailgate with the Auburn fans? Uh, the, that varies. Um, I, think, I think you can do both. I'm not, I'm not against being around guys of the other, because especially if it's buddies, I mean, you should go see your friends uh, when, you're, when you're at another at an opposing campus. As for this week, I, we won't, I don't believe we'll really know anybody. Um, from Texas A&M, at least I don't. I don't know anybody there. So I'm going to be, like what Graham said, keeping it a business trip. I'm going to keep it Auburn Central, uh, Auburn-centered weekend. But I'm not against it. I wouldn't say that's a don't. Yeah, I think it's a do as well. If we're playing in Tuscaloosa, I'm going to go see high school buddies and whatnot. So absolutely do it. But you can do both for sure. But like Garber said, we don't have friends there. So therefore, we will not be doing that most more than likely. So don't this weekend, but normally do. 
Sure. Uh, so we're Garber, pro buddies on Barnes Four Bed. Yeah, and also you can mix. If we were playing in Lexington, if like we could mix it up, have friends of both sides. That's not really a rivalry, but Bama's a bit of a stretch. I don't know if I could be around a bunch of hounds tooth before a big Iron Bowl. If we're like five and six, and it's really um, not, it's still the Iron Bowl. But if it's SC West is on the line, I don't know if I could personally do that. I think Nashville and Huntsville represent Tuscaloosa better than Lexington does, though. I think that's why you're saying that. What? And whoa, I think also what does Lexington have to do with T Town. And I think also the fact that me being around a Nashville Auburn or Alabama person sways my mind nothing before the game. It's not going to get me. It's not going to make me lose focus on Auburn. Correct. I'll, I'll still maintain my my hatred for the red. While also liking getting to see my buddies, so no, I'm not out on that at all. And this last one is something that a couple members in this crew have done. Should you ever go to an away game without any unearthly clue of where you're staying? I think you can do it once, <laughs> and we did it once, and it worked <laughs> out. But I would not recommend doing it again, especially an away game that you are traveling by plane, aka a place where you really do not know anybody. Trey's alluding to me and Trey and some other guys going to Penn, Penn State with a peripheral idea of where we were staying, which immediately fell through upon landing in College Station and having to figure that one out. So, no, it was – while it was very fun and very, you know, very college thing to do, you know, I would recommend find yourself a place to stay. Save, save yourself some peace of mind. Yeah, and I think this is the first time, if they're listening, the Atkins family and the Garber family heard this. Yes, sorry to the parents out there. We did go to State College, Pennsylvania, without any idea where to stay. A couple of rookie mistakes we made. We showed up to the airport like 20 minutes away from our flights. We are running through the airport like the McAllisters from Home Alone. That's their name, right? Yep. So that was a rookie mistake. Go there. We're panicking outside a McDonald's on State College Avenue after going to game day and just having no clue what to do. That was something. That was a trip of all trips. But this is the last one, too. Should you ever leave an opponent's stadium smoking a cigar and talking smack to opposing fans? We won't say who did it, but... I think that's a, uh, I think that's a thing that's a case-by-case basis. Depends on who you're playing. Depends on what the game is, what the significance of the cigar would be. For instance, being LSU, those when um, the Auburn Tigers would always smoke a cigar after beating LSU at LSU. Um, and so we had something that Auburn hadn't done in 20 years. So I think it's appropriate there. This weekend, I would say no. We're, we'd just be handling business winning at NM because that's what we do. So. Kind of crazy that a lot of LSU fans, the last memory of Ogeron was you, Garb, walking out of Death Valley just saying but this is the year for Bo Nix. It's true. I was, I was very high on Bo Nix after that game. That was, I was spreading the gospel of Bo Nix. And speaking yeah. of Bo Nix, we probably will hear his name come up as we're about to go through our picks. He plays Colorado, the America's team, apparently, next week, as, long, or as well as some other games. So we will take a quick break, come back, give you our plays, recap last week. Thank you guys once again, and we'll be back shortly. And now it's time for the fastest two minutes in sports. The Bonners for Bed picks for the week coming up. Week four, Garber, give the, us the rundown of the past three weeks and the leaderboard. So last week, going into the week, Trey was in the lead at 3-1 and one with Graham and I tailing behind at 2-2 two and two and VZ ta- trailing up the back end at 1-3. and three. This past week, Trey went 1-3 and three with his one win being his under in the Michigan game. Graham and I both went 3-1, and one, both missing. I'm... I missed my under, and Graham missed his favorite. And Jack Vesey went 2-2, two and two, hitting his favorite and hitting his under, leading us to Graham and I at the top at 5-3, and three, <clears throat> Trey, <clears throat> Trey in the middle at 4-4, four and four, and Jack Vesey trailing at the back at 3-5. and five. So I got some ground to make up. So I'll start us off here, comeback week. Yes, I luckily Michigan couldn't score enough points. And – it was a token Big Ten game. That was a pretty and, astute pick. I think you said that they were going to win like 35-7. to seven. I think it was like 31-6. to six, so. I mean, it's just token Michigan. That's hardball. They would win games. They've done that every game yeah. this year. You had to cover. Yeah. And I'm going to continue to do that. My under for this week is Michigan and Rutgers with the line being 45. That, I mean, does that not just scream 17-3? to three? 
It's, they can't go under in every game, though. What was the what was that number? Forty five. Yeah, I guess they're due. Whatever. So uh, moving on, my over Colorado at Oregon. This may be the highest line of the season I've seen, seventy two, and I think it's still gonna hit. Abode may put up fifty by himself and or fifty sixty with Travis Hunter not playing. And also Colorado, they're gonna put up points. I mean, they're gonna put up points. I can see that game possibly even being like fifty six to twenty one, something crazy like that. I do see Colorado. As, as fun as it's been, maybe the hype train dwindling down, but we'll see on Saturday. Moving on, I got my favorite spread. They hurt me last week, but I believe they're going to come back and take care of business in Happy Valley, or no, other Death Valley, excuse me. Florida State will win at Clemson. The line's one and a half. So basically, Florida State just has to win, and I believe they will. And then my underdog spread is Arkansas plus 18 at LSU. I think as wild as the SEC has been so far, we saw Georgia only beat South Carolina by 10. We've seen Bama struggle. We've seen LSU be back and forth. They took care of business against Mississippi State, but they got routed by Florida State. And I can just see this being a 10 to 14 point game, even though it's at nighttime in Death Valley. Even throughout my childhood, LSU's always struggled with unranked teams. This is dating back to the Mad Hatter. He never was able to blow out teams. Even when they were top five, they'd still win games, especially against Arkansas. I remember Zach Mettenberger had to lead a crazy comeback to beat them in 2013. I don't think they get the job done against the spread. Give me that as well. Graham, would you like to go next? I need to look at one more thing. Yeah, that's... just need to pull my... Is that is that kind of weird that LSU and Arkansas are playing this early, or is that yeah? I always thought they the played that game later. In That's the year. always in, it used to be their last game. Of the yeah, season, and then A and M took over as LSU's rivalry week game. The uh, great trophy, by the way, the boot. Yeah. Yes, that, that is great. Actually, I'm ready now. If you yeah, you go ahead. Go. All right, so I'm gonna start us out. My favorite. I am taking Ohio State on the road at Notre Dame. Um, Love it. Yeah, this is just. I just think Ohio State's better, and I think this is where every year I think Notre Dame just gets gets to a point where they get too overvalued, and then this is the game where it's going to go back down. So give me Ohio State minus three and a half. I'll lay the points there. Um, this one's going to come out of shock to you guys because the way I've you know been talking about this team, not that I've disliked them but been cautious with them, but I'm taking Colorado plus 21. Wow. This is a uh, this is a system play, so I've got a proprietary system, and this play falls into that category. Um, Colorado, while I do not think we'll win this game, Colorado, I believe, will keep this game somewhat close. They just Dion's going to keep them in a lot of games. I think they're going to start falling short in some of these, especially when they're outmatched on the road <clears throat> against teams like Oregon, Bo Nix. But I think Shadir Sanders is going to put up some points. Um, I am believing in that offense that they can go down and score. So give me Colorado plus 21 at Oregon. And then I will go Iowa State, Oklahoma State over 36 and a half, getting gross one more time. If this misses again, I've missed my past two overs in some real sicko games. But I, 36 and a half is an embarrassingly low total. And this also falls into the system that I follow. So I will follow. I hope everyone else follows accordingly. And then my under will be Vanderbilt, Kentucky, at Vanderbilt, playing at 11 a.m. in Nashville in the half in, in the half completed stadium under 50 and a half. Well, there I say a lot of blue will be there. A lot of blue will be there, but this game has also always been ugly in the past. I've never, I've been to I've been to probably a couple of these in uh, in what used to be just Dudley Field, but now First Bank Stadium. Um, yeah, I just I don't I don't foresee this being a point big. Uh, Massive affair of points, so give me under 50 and a half, and that'll close out my picks. Graham. Yeah, I said I loved your Ohio State-Notre Dame pick because I am fading you big time. Um, I didn't take Notre Dame spread. I'm taking the Ohio State versus Notre Dame over 54 points. I think Notre Dame probably, dare I say, has the most complete offense in the country. Sam Hartman, Heisman-level talent. Aldrich Estime, their running back, is an absolute freak. I think a lot of points will be scored. Ohio State is also starting to figure some things out offensively. They probably have the best receiving coordination as well. Give me points, points, points. Over 54. Um, 54 my, and a half. 54 and a half it is? This is what I'm seeing, yes. 
Do it. Fine. All right. Um, under, I'm going Oklahoma versus Cincy, under 16.5. Um, Cincy runs the ball really, really well. On the flip side, Oklahoma also defends the run well, so something's got to give there. Oklahoma has a very high-powered offense. Um, I won't take that away from them, but they've just put up so many points these past three games. I think, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fade the trend. Um, Cincy also has one of, if not the best, D-lines in the Big 12. So give me under 16.5. It's also an 11 a.m. kick. I like mayhem when a ranked team plays on the road at 11 a.m., which leads me to the, my next pick. Underdog spread, um, another 11 a.m. kick, Texas versus Baylor. Baylor plus 14.5. Baylor has beaten Texas the past two times. They've played in Waco. Uh, I think Texas is on on an immense high right now, so I I look for them to get humbled a little bit. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but I think they win by, let's say, 10. And then lastly, my favorite spread, I have Tennessee beating UTSA by more than 20 points. Both coming off disappointing losses. I think UT covers in the first half. 20 is the line? 20, minus 20, yes. All right. All right. Way to close us off there, Melly. Garby got all those? It's a uh, slide I'm, right there. I'm actually missing your favorite, uh, favorite tray. My favorite spread would be Florida State minus one and a half at Clemson. I don't know about Ooh, that one. I think, it's, I think I alluded to it last week in my – my buy, I think I'm buying Clemson here. I, I was tempted to put them there, but I like I like Ohio State, even though they're on the road. Do you think Florida State beats Clemson twice, assuming they match up again in the ACC championship? Yes, I've seen enough Clemson. Uh, they're a cheese at bowl team this year. Oof, that's what that's what the country wants you to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are currently missing Jack Vizi's picks as he is not here, but he will make sure to get them in, and we can, we will tweet them out on the on our Twitter account, which. In, in fact, if you are not following them yet, follow us on Twitter at – let me pull it up real quick. What is it? Barners. Barners B4, the number 4bed on Twitter. <clears throat> you can access all of our picks and make some money this weekend, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully you didn't take them last week, but it's a, it's a comeback week. Let's so, all go 4-0. Yeah. Who, who says we can't? But anyway, we all can so far. None of us yeah. are going head-to-head against each other. Mm-mm. So – Next time you'll hear from us will be next Monday following our return from Aggieland. Hopefully it'll be after a victory. I'm very excited for this trip, and I'm very excited to see our team play on the road, and I'm sure the rest of the Auburn fan base is ready to kick off SEC play as well. But from Trey Atkins, Campbell Garber, and Graham Copeland, and Jack Vesey up in the helicopter sky, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. And as always, War Eagle. Love you guys. Thank you all for listening from us here at Barners Before Bed. We hope you join us next Wednesday at 10 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Sleep tight, Tiger fans. And as always, War Eagle.